What do you want? Beans, you homey-looking son of a frog's leg. What do you think I'm Forgive me, comrade. Say that for me. Say you forgive me. Oh, no, you're dead. Goodness gracious me. If people go back and listen to the past episodes, I'll know that I've started every episode for the past 18 episodes, but you're still making me do it. Isn't it a cheat? Something just came to my mind. I do remember um, when I was at school and we were being taught about the, the First World War and, uh, you know, you, uh, there's a lot of uh, poetry abound uh, around those days and they tried to get us all to write a war poem. And I took lyrics from an Iron Maiden song about the First World War and put handed that in and I got an A. Absolute <laughs> on you. There's anything to disprove that. If anything, it proves that Maiden write good songs. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm so said you. a middle school teacher. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Nothing wrong with the English education system. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going I don't care. I'm gonna use that as the opening. Hello and I'm editing this one, so we'll see. Oh damn it, you are as well, aren't you? <laughs> it's definitely your turn. Definitely, definitely your turn to start this one, so Go. I I just I just did I just, just did, did what with that, with that beautiful oh, I don't know I just I, st- I started oh, I don't think you did no no I don't think you did not the way I'll be editing it it's literally just going to be going oh hi Smokey <laughs> <laughs> no I'll say something along the lines of goodness gracious me if people go back and listen to the past episodes I'll know that I've started every episode for the past eighteen episodes but you're still making me do it isn't it a cheat right <laughs> for one last time. We have a record, a literally a recorded record of us alternating hosting duties, okay, my friend? And I do not hoodwink you into hosting. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Anyway, welcome to all the best lines. You, I'll start. Don't worry. Sp- I, I've Smoky, already you're just, said that. You're totally I've already said that. Uh, welcome to all the best lines. I've already <laughs> said that. Don't try and steal my thunder. Did you hear him, guys? Don't try. Did you hear him say that, guys? No, you didn't. Oh, <laughs> if you edit that out, that's just so Edit harsh. what out? <laughs> <laughs> Me saying hello and welcome to <laughs> them. <laughs> I love it. How are you? <laughs> I'm I'm wonderful, my friend. It's so good to be back. Yeah. Uh, the the last um, episode of the the big clock was very well received. Everyone was very nice about it and very complimentary. Yeah. Cool. Because um, because um, it's a, a brilliant movie, and I don't know if you saw. Actually, no, you weren't drunk because I think you were away at the time. But you know, our episode comes out, then Film Four decide to show No Way Out. Really? What are the chances? Someone's listening to us. I swear. I'd be interested to know who. Well, I've got it. I've got it recorded, and I haven't watched it yet. But uh, I will. I will definitely nope. get it. Watched. No way out or our episode. I, I. Well, I edited the episode, so I've heard it very many, many, many times. Vain. Very so, vain. Uh, no, that's just a, a stickler for good editing. You know. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was about to go to some really deep inside baseball there, but I'm not going to. So, my friend, it is wonderful to be uh-huh. back. Um, I've got my page up for All Quiet on the Western Front, and it started showing me a trailer for the Flash movie. I don't know why it's doing that. Okay, well, that's well they're very right. similar in theme. You think no. so? 
No, I don't either. No, uh, although Ezra Miller is kind of like a war zone in in man form, but uh, but that's oh no, sorry, in person form. Shit. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a, a completely different uh, story altogether. Um, no, no, I, I hate to break it to you, my friend, but no emails this this time. Oh no, never mind. Uh, yeah. Hey, okay. yeah, no, no emails, no new ratings or reviews. People. Apparently, they, they loved our last episode, but they don't love us enough to send us an email. Well, perhaps no one's listening, Smokey. Perhaps that's the key to this puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> what, you think this is just for us? Well, if it, even if it was, then that's okay. It is. We get to talk about some wonderful films. <laughs> Including a war mm. film. War. What yeah. is it good for, Smokey? Yeah. What is it good Absolutely. for? Absolutely nothing. nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, what is it good for? Edwin Starr. It's good for reclaiming land. You know, building <coughs> poverty throughout society. But apart from that, absolutely this is nothing. true. Or as uh, Eddie Izzard said about the Falklands War, it was for strategic sheep purposes, which I always thought was <laughs> which I was always good. <laughs> yeah, actually, it, it's very. I'm glad you said that though, because I, I was thinking about this earlier, and considering what we both do in regards to our other shows that we have, neither of us really get the opportunity to talk about war films. No. It's funny much. that, isn't it? You yeah, know, it's, how it's a odd. podcaster from York and a podcaster from Berkshire don't really ever get to go on the big channels like, you know, BBC One and GB News to talk about war. That wasn't my no, point at absolutely. all. absolutely. <laughs> I know it was. But anyway, let's talk about war right now. What do you think of war? That wasn't my point at all. What I'm saying <laughs> is because you deal with mm-hmm. uh, Golden Age cinema yeah. uh, primarily and I kind of mainly deal with horror that never the twain shall meet so uh, let's talk about never the twain 100 percent, i can talk about that for what, hours the, the sitcom yeah of course the sitcom what else is there God. donald sindon have you ever read <laughs> it's better than war come on let's I, not talk I, about war we're going to talk about war in a I, minute. I i don't want i don't want to break this card out but <clears> i think that's a little before my time sorry Goodness sake, we're going to be talking about All Quiet on the Western Front, 1930 film about World War One. But you say Never the Twain. It's a classic, There's smoke. a difference. It's classic. There's a difference between a bollocks English sitcom and a, a, a war <gasps> film that's just repeated over and over and over. Again. <laughs> what year were you born? <laughs> what year were you born? Nineteen eighty. Nineteen. Right. Okay. Never the Twain ran from nineteen eighty one to nineteen ninety one. There's no way that you did it yeah, really? that you didn't clash against Never wow. the Twain. Okay. Fair dues. I thought it. I thought it. I thought it was over a lot earlier than that. So I hold my hands up and apologize. Okay. So what I'm going to do, seeing as how I'm editing this, is I'm now going to put thirty minutes of Never the Twain into this episode. Enjoy. <laughs> Smallbridge could move so fast. Little Welsh legs going like pistons. Dad, aren't you being a bit juvenile? Certainly not. It's the privilege of middle age. 
Only children aren't allowed to be juvenile. Besides, some people enjoy a little smoke with their morning coffee. You know he'll only pay you back. Probably play his violin with the window open. Oh, no, no. Lucifer cured him of that. Didn't you, Lucifer? Jumped in and leapt on him. Thought it was a mating call. I think you're behaving like a couple of kids. No, you're not. <laughs> uh, but no, I really, wa- I really wanted to ask you this, though. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you stand with uh, I really like war movies? Never the we, Twain. We... That's where I really stand. <laughs> when, when we discussed uh, Stagecoach, which again, you know, we, we it's a subject like Westerns, we neither of us really talk about very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned, we mentioned, we were talked about uh, John Wayne at the time. So obviously we sort of drifted a little onto the war films there. But what is your sort of personal opinion with war movies? Do you are you a fan? Do you do you watch them often? Or I just I would just like to know. I find it very interesting. The ones I find interesting are ones that are not about the war, but about the the people in the war. If there's a character study, it's like westerns as well. It's like any genre. If you make it about the people or a certain situation, then I think it's very very interesting. All Quiet on the Western Front is. I would say probably the most war-centric war film that I admire. It's like Schindler's List is about a man who tries to rescue people when there's a war happening around him. And because you get to see the heart of the man, it becomes way more personal and even more brutal at points. That's what I'd like about... No one can like a war film. But, I mean, there are certain types of stories that happen during wartime that show what people were going through without showing the machinations of he moved there and then this unit went up to this point and then this plane flew over this point and then this many barrages happened and then they moved these units to this town i find all of that stuff quite stultifying not because war is boring of course it isn't if you're living through a war it's terrifying but as a as a form of entertainment, it doesn't really work. But, you know, All Quiet on the Western Front, I think, is a, a prime example of uh, a war film that follows a human being instead and uh, takes it to some surprising places. It's like Westerns. Stagecoach is, yeah. I think, a great Western because it focuses on the characters. It doesn't matter that they're in the Old West. They could be mm-hmm. in space. They could be in the world of today. They just focus on yeah. push these six characters into a confined space and watch what happens. It just so happens to be set in the Old West. If, funnily enough... I S- Same with High Noon in that respect, really. Yeah, it's basically about a danger that's coming, and a man has to shore up support yeah. and um, finds that the people he thought he could count on, he can't count on. You know, it could be it. Could be any, it could be set in any time or any place. Funnily enough, I've just done a show on Westerns, uh, and I talk about Apache Drums, which is a Val Luton... The last film Val Luton ever uh, produced. And it's a Western... But it is, I would say, more of a horror film. And it's really well done. Uh, It's incredibly well done. It's about these town who have to take refuge in a church. And the church is being attacked by these Apaches. And they are not sure when they're going to come. And they can't defend it. So every now and then you get these horror shock moments where someone jumps in squealing. I was going to say, that sounds like a a zombie movie. Yeah, it's exactly (laughs) what it is. It's it's Night of the Living Dead, but with Apaches. And um, yeah, it's a brilliant film. And there's also another film I talked about called Three Godfathers. It's about three outlaws who just rob a town. And then they go out into the Old West thinking they're going to get away and they find a woman who has got a baby and she dies and says, look after my child. And the only way they can ensure that this baby doesn't die is if they take it back to the town they've just plundered. 
So it becomes this moral quandary. Wow. That's the nearest town, so they can't keep it alive. So do they keep the baby alive? Do they? You know, what happens when one disagrees with the other? It becomes this like moral study, and yeah. I think that's the best thing about war films, uh, western films, those kind of big sweeping genre movies. Um, if they focus in on mm. the small stories, then you get the western feel or the war feel without having to know about how guns work or how horses drink or what the mesas look like at sundown. All that stuff, I kind yeah. of find it. I find it kind of just a little bit unnecessary. War, especially, you know, you know it's not. It's, yeah. it's the grimmest subject anyway. But um, as long as they don't focus on the war and the human stories, the casualties of war by um, uh, Brian De Palma with. Sean Penn and Michael J. Fox. Oh, no, Michael J. Yeah, Fox. it's a great yeah. movie and really gut-wrenchingly dramatic and everything. It's a yeah. horrible, horrible story to watch, but it's very, if you boil it down to its essentials, it's about a group of people who kidnap another person and subject them to horrors and then about bringing mm. these people to justice. So, yeah, that's what that's anyway. I haven't, I haven't seen that film in a long time. I, I remember, as you say, it's hard to say enjoy, but I remember it being a very good film. Yeah. Um, the drama of it is probably is what Michael you J. Remember. Fox's best yeah. drama. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 What do you think about war films anyway? Um, I think there's where morality comes into it. I think there's always going to be a question around them. I mean, something along a, akin to <clears throat> should, should films be made about this? So, say something like, you know, a few years after. 9-11 happened mm. and you know a couple of movies came out about that and it's like should you really mm. be doing this even if they are heroic stories or they're patriotic stories uh, you know it's sort of like should you and then you know something like um uh, Patriot's Day with the Boston bombing and things like that and it's sort of like should you really be going for this angle but I think where war films differ is exactly what you said is that if you don't you know just focus on gung-ho you know uh, blood and guts for glory I think that's where the waters get a little muddy and I think you know like um, what was the what was the film uh what the hell was it Green Beret with uh, John mm, Wayne yeah the Green Beret um which it which which is thank you which is famously the only pro <laughs> pro vietnam movie ever made um and and that see that that irks i don't i, I can't really get on board with mm. that um but when it comes to um something like uh, uh, all quiet on the western front um which is you know it's it's showing the I mean, we'll get to it, obviously, but it shows the the propaganda at the beginning and then the deconstruction of the human soul, and then it goes into the the horrors of war. Then I think there's a lesson to be shown there, and I think mm -hmm. uh, where war movies are concerned, it's a valuable tool to have. Mm. Um, but I mean, you know, I mean, you can you can analyze these things over and over again. Uh, but I mean, if you break it down to the the brass tacks of it, uh, I do enjoy war films. It's not my favourite genre, but I but I do enjoy them. But just know that you're never gonna <laughs> you never you're not gonna be Leslie Nielsen and Priscilla Presley coming out of platoon laughing their socks mm. off, you know, like they're doing Naked Gun, because th th you know you you don't have a happy war film uh, unless you're watching Hot Shots Part Two. <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, that's that's not what they're there for. Mm. So um, I think the more you, when a really special one comes along, mm. then you know it. That's that. I think that's what uh, makes films like Saving Private Ryan, even Unforgiven, when it comes to the Western genre, 
if you boil, keep yes. boiling down, get away from the Western genre itself, get away from the war genre itself, and keep boiling down and boiling down until you find a person you can focus on and the small problem yes. they're having during that conflict or during that, you know, that story. Yep. I think those are the ones that work for me in terms of... I, I, I agree. I, I think wars and Westerns, for me are part of the same thing. Everyone thinks of them as boys' own adventures, you know. Go out there and mm. pick up your gun and go off and kill some baddies and start like that. It's like that with Westerns and war, war films. So that's why I keep equating them together. It's it's creating... It's a bit like newspapers, isn't it? You have a a human interest story in the middle of tragedy, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it, breaks up, it breaks up the flow and it makes it a lot easier to take. Yeah. Or, um, or understand. It, uh, it's hard to empathise yes. with a troop yeah. of people walking over a hill and firing down another mm-hmm. troop of people who you don't know but if you if you pick one yeah. person out of that and you tell their story i don't know it, it enhances the horror it sort of brings out the drama it, it emotionally connects you yeah. and so films like the longest day or war films that where the characters are the battlefield instead of one person mm-hmm. i find it hard to connect with yeah. those so war films for me are always a little bit I don't want to see just blood and guts and shooting and stuff. Like Full Metal Jacket is a great yeah. film, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to be. I don't know. It's, it's a bit grim as well. You know, I don't want grimness. When I'm right. in, when I when I sit down to watch a film, it's very rare that I say, "God, I want to be shocked," and "God, I want to be appalled." You know, I can't think of many yeah. instances that's happened in my life. But if there's some kind of beauty yeah. or some kind of emotional uh, of emotional connection behind it, then then I'm always up for that. It doesn't matter what scenario they're in. Something interesting there, though, that just occurred to me is that, you know, we're talking about uh, war and Western being somewhat thematically similar, is that you go into any high street retailer of films, because um, I worked at one for several years, is the war and Westerns are, are always together. Yeah. There's always a war slash Western segment, mm. section. And it's that's that's curious, isn't it? I just suddenly realised that, but yeah. Um uh, do you have a favourite war film? Oh, it's a hard, it's a hard question to answer, isn't it? I mean, do I? Have... Schindler's List, I think, is a masterpiece. Would I ever watch it again? Agree. No. Well, you know, it's watching. No, I've got no real exactly, design. but I remember being extraordinarily affected by it. All Quiet on the Western Front. This version, for me, that we're going to talk yeah. about today, is it's so impressive. I'm so mm. impressed by it every time I've seen it, but. Do I ever think to myself, God, you know, I'm cooking dinner, fancy a bit of all quiet on the Western Front? You know, no one does, do they? So it's a hard question to answer, no. I think. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, as a, a, a more films I admire, I would say war films. I mm. think Schindler, as I say, Schindler's List, I think is a masterpiece because um, Spielberg, aside from the artistry, I mean, there's a whole scene at the beginning where it's just Oscar Schindler getting dressed to go to a dinner to talk mm. about. You know how he wants to put together a factory. To... Just that sure. whole scene where he is getting dressed and pinning on his Nazi badge. You don't even see his face for the first sort of minute or two. Mm-hmm. He's pinning on his Nazi badge yeah. and he's putting on his watch. And all you see is the watch coming on and the Nazi badge coming on. And you see him taking a moment before he picks up this ornament and pins it to himself. And you think to yourself, I instantly know everything about this guy. He hates being a Nazi, yep. yet he is adorning himself with Nazi memory. He's going down and he is the guy I'm going to be rooting for. And it's incredible because it's just six or seven shots of objects and the chest of a man. So I think in terms of artistry, you know, it's, it's hard to, hard to argue against Steven Spielberg's. um, Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I I like to take the odd pot shot at Spielberg um, every now and again, Mm. 
because I think some of his output has been less than good. Mm. But uh, but yeah. there there is no, di- yeah. I I don't think he. I don't, there's no denying how good he is as a director. He's one of the best, granted. But he picks some odd things to to do, and uh, and I you know some things I I can't look past and sort of go well that's just mediocre. I mean your direction is great, but it's a mediocre film. Mm. Um, everyone's been there, you know. Hitchcock did it yeah, as well. Yeah. You know he's a great director, but there's a couple of mediocre ones in there. Um, but then you look at something like uh, Schindler's List, and then you look at something like which I think is a massively underrated Spielberg movie is Bridge of Spies. I think it's a very funny well. you should say that. I was just thinking Bridge of Spies for me falls into that category where like from between sort of the 70s and the early 90s everything he did was an event it was like a massive massive thing sure. so when he announced yeah. he was doing Schindler's List every kid in the world was like oh my god dinosaurs are the greatest you know it, and, and it was it was such uh, an uh, event. Jurassic Park yeah, sorry Jurassic Park <laughs> <laughs> there were dinosaurs in Schindler's List oh I'm gonna so edit that bit <laughs> No, keep it in, keep it in. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? It's like everything he did was a massive deal. And then all of a sudden, I think late sort of 90s, maybe early 2000s, he started doing these smaller yeah. pieces that were like genre pieces, which mm. I really like. I really like yeah. Munich and I really like, um, you know. I, I mean, oh, I enjoyed Munich. But, the, but, you know, there's lots of stuff to be fond of, but he sort of went away from event cinema. And then every now and then he pops back up with like you know a War of the Worlds or you know a Ready Player One or something to cr- a Ready yeah. Ready Player One yeah, yeah. But um, between those things, he does like three or four smaller pieces that you can just tell he's like I'm Steven Spielberg. I get to make these films. Like throw money at me. Mm-hmm. I promise I'll make the money back. But yeah. uh, you know they won't be as well regarded as you know Jaws or Schindler's List or Jurassic Park or something. Um, and you think yeah. to yourself, what well, you've kind of earned it, dude. <laughs> agreed agreed yeah but no um yeah for me as i say i I love bridge of spies i think it's absolutely wonderful Mm. but um yeah yeah, as you say um excuse me um shindler's list and saving private ryan i mean they're stories he wanted to make and that and that's absolutely fine when it comes to war films though i i i think the the really really good ones are few and far between um you know, uh, I mean, I, I, Platoon, I, I, I think is a cracking movie, mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm going to be a bit controversial. And say, I'm not a fan of the Deer Hunter. Ooh. I um, same, yeah, same. I, I, no, I'm not either. I, no, oh, are you not really? At all. No, yeah. I just thought it was too. That's a. That, it was a bit too slow. See, that's, a bit too. Ponderous. That's a perfect example of uh, Michael Chimino lasering in on a small story during the Vietnam War, but then making it three and a half hours yep. or whatever. And it's like, oh, we're so close. <laughs> I mean, I know it's very well regarded, but God, it's boring. Mm. Yeah. It is. It's a dull film. But I mean, again, very well made. The cast is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, they all give their all. I think, did uh, Walken win the Oscar, I think? Fairly for, sure, uh, you're right. Actor, yeah, I, I think you got best supporting actor. Um yeah and but yeah but for me it's i've seen it i don't need to see it again um but i will throw a little spanner in the works there which is to say that my favorite war film is indeed full metal jacket Ooh, so. okay interesting see that's a film that i i was <laughs> i was i was utterly bored by but um maybe i need to revisit it maybe it's one of those things that i've just lumped in with war films you know in inverted commas i think so um 
I, I because again it, it does focus on granted it's a few people but it is a select few mm. of you know people who are li- mentally broken down mm. um to to be killing machines and uh, and I find it a fascinating thing and and of course Ali Ermi you know as mm. the role that made him who he was bless him yeah um, really I just I think I think it's a wonderful that, film. it was an it was an audition piece for Toy Story wasn't it really. <laughs> <laughs> and the Frighteners played the same <laughs> yeah. part in the Frighteners as um, well. Can I ask you what you think of one of the most famous war films of all time? Um, an officer and a gentleman. <laughs> I got nowhere else to go. Again, I only seen it once. <laughs> so um, I'm kidding. I mean, I mean, you know. I no. I, I I'm going to answer. Um, I, do you know what? I don't remember very much about it. Uh, I remember that scene that I just parodied. Um, and I remember him, like, roundhouse kicking someone in a bar. And then, of course, the ending mm-hmm. with uh, Love Lift Us Up and everything. I was just going to say that because love does lift you and I up where we belong, doesn't it? Smoke? Doesn't it, Jeff? It does, yeah. um, We're in a hammock together. Yeah, but no, I, 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 I don't remember much about that film. <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> hang on. Actually, now we're talking about it. Didn't Lou Gossett Jr. win an Oscar for Let's that movie? Let's check. I, I'm sure he did. Uh, by the way, right, we've just mentioned right. So Walker yes, he did. The Deer Hunter. He won Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, thank yeah. you. But look at my memory suddenly working. But also is the fact, right? Those people won those Oscars. Great. Well done to them. Liam Neeson didn't win one for shit. He was nominated. I remember. How the hell is that I know. Possible? He. I know he, he was nominated. nominated. Who who won against him that year? Um, by the way, I'll just quickly say, know. an officer and a gentleman was um, made on a budget of seven million dollars in 1982. By the way, yeah, and took 190 million dollars, which is almost wow. you know almost a two thousand percent. Sorry, I was going to say it was a lot. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> so let's see who beat him out. It, it had to have been a spectacular performance. Um, I remember because it won Best Picture, won oh, Best yeah. Director, won Best Adapted Screenplay, won Best Original Score, won Best Film Editing, Cinematography, and Art Direction. It won seven Oscars. So John Williams says score for that one. I'm assuming. Uh, yes. Yeah. It was uh, Tom Hanks for Philadelphia. I, I mean, I have to say that is pretty. That's okay. I don't mind that one. I mean, yeah. I, remember, I mean, it's not. I remember seeing Philadelphia. He didn't. He didn't lose to you know. He didn't lose to Rami Malek for playing Freddie Mercury. So you know, it's like fair dues. But you know, if you're losing to Hanks for Philadelphia, but then was that the first or the second of Hanks' first, two in a row? First, yeah, Hanks won first. Uh, then so Forrest Gump was next. But yeah. guess who else was nominated alongside Tom Hanks for Philadelphia and Liam Neeson for Oscar Schindler in uh, in in Schindler's List that year? Who who do you think it was? I I. I'm terrible with when years uh, with uh, with what years films came out, so I'm not going to be able to answer okay. that. I'm afraid. Give it, give it, give us a clue. Okay. Well, uh, there's a Daniel Day Lewis performance in there. Which year? Ninety three. Yes. Uh, Mohicans. Nope. Uh, my left. No, not my no. left foot. That was earlier, wasn't it? Nope. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> crying game. Nope. No. It wasn't in the crying uh, game. No, I'm. I'm, I'm it was I'm out. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis for In the Name of the Father. Do you remember that? Oh, of course. Of there course. was a yes. Lor- there Fair was age. a Lawrence Fishburne performance for Best Actor that year. I will give you a clue. Oh, word. His co-star was nominated for Best Actress, and she has just been nominated for Best Supporting Actress. 
Oh, it would be uh, playing Ike Turner. Yes, yes, Ike Turner and What's Love Got to Do with It. And there was an Anthony Hopkins performance. Mm. So, I mean, just looking at the names, it's a well, strong it's not... year. Strong year. It is a very strong year, so <laughs> fair play. Um, well, it can't be Science of the Lambs, nope. uh, so it's going to have to be Remains of Correct. the Day. Correct, yes. So it was oh. Tom Hanks for Philadelphia, Daniel Day-Lewis in The Name of the Father, Lawrence Fishburne for What's Love Got to Do With It, Anthony Hopkins for Remains of the Day, and Liam Neeson for Schindler's List. I mean, that's a pretty strong field. So um, It is an incredibly strong field. But out of those five. As good as Hanks is in Philadelphia, I would, I, out of those five, I would have still given it to Neeson. Really? That's very interesting. Yes. Okay. Would you not? Uh, I mean, if I could go back and do those again, I would probably give it to Anthony Hopkins for Remains of the Day. I think he was extraordinary in that. Film. I mean, it's a great performance. Yeah, yeah. But um, Tom Hanks, Philadelphia, I was very happy with that because I went to see that film at the cinema as you know, a young man and was very, very uh, emotionally affected by it. So. Mm, yeah. Everyone always forgets that Antonio Banderas was in that as well. He mm, was great. He was great, yeah. That's a really great film, actually. Yeah, It is. And I love the song as well by uh, Bruce Springsteen. I love the Neil Young streets. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we talk about oh, okay. uh, All Quiet the Western Front? Get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was a, a good conversation to have because we never get to talk about war movies. And granted, we went off on a couple of tangents there, but that's all part of uh-huh. the fun. Um, so, obviously, I, the last episode, I, I asked you for a war film and you came up with this. And, and obviously, very timely with the uh, resurgence this film is getting mm. but because of the Netflix remake mm. uh, made in German. Mm. Uh, I haven't actually watched it yet, have you? I haven't, but I am very, very intrigued to do so. It, uh, only because, mm, you know, when too. it's come out as the kind of dark horse among the uh, awards mm. nominees, should we say. It's winning so many Best Picture awards mm-hmm. now that it's making me think mm. I need to go and watch it. But the thing is, I am so affected by this 1930 version, and I'm so affected by mm. the, let's see, what was it, 1979 version with Richard 70, Thomas yeah. um, that I yeah. saw when I was a child because they showed it to us in school and I remember being really upset by it for months um, that I'm wow. wondering whether I need another version of All Quiet on the Western Front but the whole awards buzz around this new version is making me think that mm. you know suck it up uh, watch all three versions why don't you uh, uh, after watching this um, the, uh, the 30 uh, version mm. Uh, which I will hasten to add was my first time watch of this. I've been wanting to watch it for a long time, and so I was glad to to finally see it. Um, I, 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 <clears throat> there's a little part of me that just sort of says, "Well, it makes sense to make this film now in German with Germans," you know, mm-hmm. because obviously this the 1930s version was made in America, and the uh, people playing the Germans are. American or English, you know, and so it kind of it kind of makes sense that after all this time they they're kind of reclaiming it, even though it wasn't theirs to claim in the first place. <laughs> so just to claim it and sort of say, right, well, here's um, uh, uh, the story, um, but uh, from the you know not the Allies' uh, point of view, and done with real life Germans, you know, here you are, you know, and so that that does kind of make sense mm-hmm. to me. Um. And so I, I am very intrigued to, to watch the remake. 
I think there's a there's a little issue I I, I think here. At, at first, only at first in this version is that is they don't make it clear. Are we, are we rooting for the Germans in this film? Um, you know, it's it's such a weird way of looking at it. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, obviously we're all one big melting pot now in the world, and we, you know, all one love and everything in Europe. Well, we're kind of still in Europe in this country, but um, uh, and so you're looking at it and you sort of go, well. These are really nice guys. They're not Nazis. It's before the Nazi party because it's the First World War. And so it's sort of like, well, I don't want to see them die. And they're sort of like, hang on, but the people they're shooting at, they're, they're my side. And it's sort of like, oh, ugh. And there's a real conflict in there, which I think helps the film uh, dramatically. For, from a, you know, Western European type way of looking at it. I, I could be wrong. I That's just my opinion. Uh, well... I mean, I, I mean, art was being created not just in the West. It was being created... Well, Germany's mm. part of the West, obviously. Um, I don't think there's anything yeah. wrong or reprehensible about the fact that we should show these experiences not just from the Allied side who won the war, but um, also, yes. you know, the, the German side. Um, there's a great film or great book called The Book Thief, actually, from uh, you know, a couple of, couple of mm. years ago that shows... Uh, a German girl living through the Second World War and her experiences going through it. And when her her town is, I mean, no spoilers, but her town is obliterated at the end of the of the story, yeah. and she wakes up to this new future. Um, I don't I don't really yeah. think this is what I mean about focusing in on small stories. Mm. It doesn't really matter who's against who. It just matters that you know, this girl went to sleep one night with her friends around her, and the next morning she woke up and they were all dead. You know, and it's yeah. the harrowing kind of the the impact of that and the resonance that that goes on throughout her life when she becomes an old lady, even. So all quiet on the western yeah. front. Can I can I add a uh, add a caveat in there? By mm. the way, uh, the book thief, the only book that has ever made me cry. Really? So it, so it, it made it made made me sob like a I child. I remember being a delivery driver when uh, that book came out and I bought the audio book mm. and listened and I can wholeheartedly agree with you. It wasn't the first book that ever made me cry or the only book that's ever made me <laughs> cry, but I remember absolutely weeping yeah. like a baby, had to pull over mm-hmm. at a certain scene, shall we say, when um, Liesl yeah, has to get up and uh, find her way through the yeah. street. Um, couldn't believe how emotionally impactful that was. All quite on the Western Front. Yeah, show. it's brutal, and, and I did, I did enjoy the film as well. By the way, it's, it's just not, not as impactful yeah, it's, as it's the not book. bad film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Jeffrey Rush was amazing. Yeah, and, um, so. what's her name? Uh, Emily, Emily Watson, Watson, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was getting confused with yeah. so many other people. All quite on the Western Front. Good film. Shows, yeah. Let's be let's get upfront about this. It shows the indoctrination <laughs> of a German uh, boy and his friends into the mm-hmm. German war machine. Who are sent off to war, and it, the the whole story. I, mean, I don't think we even need to go through it blow by blow. It's all about um, no. let's uh, let's go off to war and have an adventure, and it's them being gradually yep. disillusioned uh, by everything they see and all the experiences they have until you know two thirds mm-hmm. of the way through, they're so apathetic towards the war mm. effort, but can't escape yeah. it, and that's the problem. Um, mm. So they've just become beaten down and beaten down and beaten down by what's happening. It's 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 a yes. tough tough story to watch, but really valuable. In it that really respect. is, but it's it, absolutely. But it's I I I, I watched this um, for the very first time. I watched it uh, yesterday uh, for the very first time, 
So it was fresh in the mind for when we recorded. Uh, uh, <laughs> a little behind the curtains for, for, for the listeners. We were meant to record last night and we didn't, so we are recording today. <laughs> so it would have been fresher yesterday, but never mind. Um, uh, but no, um, and I was instantly taken in by the first three, four minutes, which which is great, which is what you hope a movie will do to you. Because it was such a clever way, because you join the film in a classroom Mm -hmm. of young boys and uh, a kind of, not tyrannical teacher, but a very forceful and patriotic and passionate teacher. Yeah, that's right. And the, the camera goes to sort of several boys in the class while he's talking and what he's saying... Uh, fits the the boy that the camera is focused on. It's incredibly clever, um, and it's all pro-war propaganda. He is saying, which is, and some of it is deeply, deeply wrong as yeah. well. And um, uh, in persuading, for want of a better word, children to go and fight for their for the fatherland, and and so I'm sat there marveling at the fact that this wonderful storytelling is going on, but I'm also horribly disgusted mm. that, that this guy is doing this. And I'm sort of thinking, uh, cause he, there's a line, something along the lines of he's sort of saying, well, this other class that I have, they all signed up. They're all good boys. Mm. They all signed up. To, they enlisted. And what are you doing? Oh, you're all just cowards because you haven't agreed to enlist. And it's like, you bastard. It's like, what are you trying to do? Are you just trying to have a day off so you don't have kids to teach? You are the life of the fatherland, you boys. You are the iron men of Germany. You are the gay heroes who will repulse the enemy when you are called upon to do so. It is not for me to suggest that any of you should stand up and offer to defend his country. But I wonder if such a thing is going through your head. I know that in one of the schools, the boys have risen up in the classroom and enlisted in a mass. And of course, if such a thing should happen here, you would not blame me for a feeling of pride. Perhaps some will say that you should not be allowed to go yet, that you are too young, that you have homes, mothers, fathers, that you should not be torn away. Are your fathers so forgetful of their fatherland that they would let it perish? Rather than you, it's the 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 language used is fascinating and brutal, and I was hooked. I was hooked straight away because I was just like, I I need to know where this goes from yeah. here. Um, and yeah, what a, what an amazing start to the film. It's worth saying as well. Um, when you boil it down to its essentials, whether it's a teacher in a classroom or a poster on a wall or an advert on the radio. Yeah. All of these things are designed to, uh, f- you know, heat the blood of people who can go and, yeah. you know, perform these tasks for governments. Sure. Um, so whether it's, you know, walking around a town saying, oh, have an adventure, boys, come along and kill some enemies and be a hero kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, it's really interesting because that's basically what the US did, the UK did. All of these mm-hmm. other countries did. They yeah. did it a lot more subtly than 
than we did in this film. I've, I've explored it in, you know, even the Cary Grant series I'm making at the moment for Secret History of Hollywood. The propaganda that countries use to mm. uh, fizz up the yeah. blood of their young men. So it's the, you know, they'll feel like, oh my yeah. God, I can't wait to go and fight. But the reality when they go out there, and that's the whole genius of this um, Remark novel, um, where Eric, sorry, Eric Maria Remark, he, he sort of, the whole novel is a comment on um, the disillusionment of that dream that they sell you. You know, go to war. Well, that, that's what the title of the yeah. film means, isn't yeah. it? You know, they're saying, oh, well, you, you go to the Eastern Front, then you're in trouble. Mm. The, the West, ah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be all right. Yeah. You know, and that was obviously completely, you couldn't be further from mm. the truth. Um, but you just reminded me, and, I, and I'm sure I'll come back to this several times because it is very apt and very poignant, is of... Uh, uh, Black Adder, you know, goes forth, and yeah, you know, there's the 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 Hugh Laurie story of he saying, yeah, well, once we knew they wanted us to enlist, we were leapfrogging each other down the line to go and enlist, mm. you know, and then Baldrick says, oh well, all I had to do was bayonet sacks of straw, and I thought, well, if I can do that, I can do this in war as mm-hmm. well, and it's that naivety. I mean, granted, that's a comedy, but it's still it's true. It, it's a it's a built naivety on facts, though. Yeah, that, there's there's such yeah, a thread of truth yeah. in that whole series of Blackadder goes forth. Yeah, I'd I'd be fascinated to know if uh, Richard Curtis and Ben Elton didn't. They must have used All Quiet on the Western Front as oh, some kind 100%. of basis. I mean, you know, th- those are guys who yeah. know their stuff, and All Quiet on the Western Front wasn't. Mm. <laughs> God, not even. It hadn't been forgotten. It was a very, very, you know, mm. famous, and it made it okay to to hate war. Yeah. That, you know, and that's an incredible mm-hmm. thing to have because it was not okay to hate the fact that you were being sent off to war, even in 1930, which was a time when you know if your country calls you up, you go and you go willingly, and you're going to have yep. the greatest time of your life. You're going to come back with medals. You know, people are going to want to be your friend. People are going to want to know what you mm-hmm. did. You're going to bring Nazi helmets back, and you're going to. That's how they start the film, exactly, isn't it? Doesn't... They say you're going to get your you're going to get your parents' mm-hmm. approval. You're going to get the girls. Yeah. You're going to get the glory. Yeah. That's how they start the film. That's the whole thing. It's the the sullying. It's the decaying of this dream they sell these mm. boys at the beginning of the film. It's incredibly clever. Yeah. What I really love about this is that it's a 1930 film. In 1930, people weren't mm-hmm. making two and a half hour movies, and they certainly weren't making them about depressing stuff like this. They were making, you know, they were making <laughs> oh. movies to enliven. You know, this is the first, like one of the first movies. I would say the first, because you know you've had Birth mm-hmm. of the Nation showing up social problems and stuff like that. Sure. But, you know, all quite in the Western Front. Is won the Oscar for Best Picture because people went in there and they yep. were expected to be thrilled by the, you know, the the fanfare and the theatre of war, and instead they were sold this morality lesson. You know, you're sending your sons off to die, and this is what they're seeing when they're out there, and it's incredibly powerful, and I really admire it for that, and I really admire Carl Lemley for having said, you know, yep. here's as much money as you need tell the story the way you want doesn't mm-hmm. have to be 80 minutes doesn't have to be 90 minutes you tell it you just mm. tell it the way you need it to be told and it's a very long film and um i do yep. understand that you know, some parts of it do do feel like oh do we need to see this but then when you get to the end of it mm. you're like you really do feel like you've lived from that point to that point and whether it's you know yeah. i do i do think that some points you do feel like oh goodness me i wish this bit would hurry up but then when you get to the end and you have the whole thing in context you do think to yourself 
we've seen a kid turn into, you know, a, I don't want to spoil it, but you've seen a kid turn into a corpse, and this is the story of how that happens. Um, but you haven't just seen yeah. his body die. You've seen his soul die. You've seen his spirit die. You've seen yeah. every kind of bit of hope he's had die. You've seen him trying to warn others, but still the system has crushed him. And I think it takes, you know, yeah. two and a half hours, three hours to do that. I agree. And and it's also, it's, it's fascinating to watch now, um, especially in the 21st century. As I said, I watched it last night. And you see where some cliches were born as well. Because, I mean... Obviously, forgive forgive the term, but obviously it's in black and white. But there's a massive um, red shirting incident right at the beginning Mm -hmm. because you have the reluctant kid who bows into, you know, caves under peer pressure to go to war. And lo and behold, he's the first to die. And and it's sort of like, well, that's a cliche, but it's like, but yeah, but this is 1930. That cliche wasn't there then. This is where it was born. So, you know... (laughs) bring it on and then also is the fact that you have your main character i i'm reluctant to say protagonist but he is your main character um who is kind of cocky and um uh, knows what he's going into and then he escapes the war finds he's you know, it's kind of like Shawshank. He's institutionalized. He needs to go back to the war, yeah. and lo and behold, he dies. Yeah, and it's just and but and that's again cliche. But this is the it's got to be the first to do it, mm. and and that was fascinating to watch. And by the way, that the final scene of this is one of the most heartbreaking things yeah. ever. Yeah, I mean, my God, my my jaw was on the floor when that final scene mm. happened because I didn't know what was coming, mm. and and it was beautiful and and heartbreaking and devastating. But it was it was a stunning thing. It's to a watch. it's a stunning um, image, isn't it? To to end this film, yeah. Um, I don't think we're spoiling anything by saying that that famous no. the butterfly image on the war field. It's yeah. just this glimpse of beauty, and it's almost like his soul leaving him, and he sort of reaches out for it. Mate, I, I, absolutely incredible. The, the, the film, the film is the film, yeah, absolutely. But the film is almost a hundred years old, so I think we're allowed to <laughs> do spoilers. I think, I think we're allowed. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that is tragic. But the, but then you add the things in of the there's no music in the no, film. No, it's all yeah. brutal. And I, and I, I I looked as well um, because uh, I uh, as you see me sitting here right now is how I watch the film with my headphones on I was watching it here and how the sound design didn't get an Oscar mm. is criminal because it there are so many scenes that last for a very very long time where it's just constant bombardment of bombs and flashbangs and bullets ricocheting and it's it's um it's almost like water torture it's, it's just sort of exactly like, right ah! it's, it's like um it sort of tortures you into becoming part of the scene which is a really weird yeah. way of because the scene's gone for quite a long time and there's a scene Don't actually know. where um um they're in a bunker and it's being shelled yeah. And they don't just yes. go for like, you know, it's a movie, so we'll make it 30 seconds long. They go on and on and on, the rain, the dirt rains down on them, and they're getting covered, and they have to roll yes. out, you know, and the it keeps coming, keeps coming. And as a viewer, you do feel yourself sucked in, and you do feel yourself being buried along with them. It's so clever. The, the, agreed. And, and, and that's why uh, that particular scene you talk about, I noticed that as well, why that scene is so mm. clever, is that... There are two 
soldiers in that bunker. One is going mad from shell shock, mm. and the other is going mad from that soldier yeah. <laughs> going mad from <laughs> shell shock. And but you're the audience listening to this, and you're you're going well. I can sympathise with both yeah. of you right now. Because you're going crazy from that above, and you're going crazy from him, and I'm going crazy from both of you, and from that above mm. as well. It's a it's a minefield, mm. forgive the pun, of just uh, a sensory assault. I mean, forgive the the comparison because this is a bit lazy, but it's a bit like the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, no, when you've just got right. that chainsaw constantly running in your mm-hmm. ears you know it's it's a violent assault on the senses 100%. And, and i think it's a wonderful tool um to have i'm gonna keep using that word because i really do think it is um it's a wonderful tool to tell people that right that that beginning when you were with your mates and it was all right let's go fight for the, for our country it's like well you're not in kansas anymore dorothy you are in the thick of it mm-hmm. now and um and it's also uh, actually going back to that think of think of how that film starts right so as we said that teacher giving them hell to sort of say why aren't you fighting for your country they'll say yes and they're all excited they go skipping down the street to sign up the next scene is them in a hovel going well we haven't got any food i mean it's that Mm. quick you know it's so quick to switch from Oh yay! You know, gung ho to oh crap. Where are and, we now? And this is the you know. kind of genius of it. It doesn't focus in on I've run out yeah. of bullets. I've run out of you know, I've run out of grenades. Um, they're too far away for me to shoot at. They say you're in a hole. It's being shelled. You haven't got any food. How do you survive for two weeks? It's that kind of personal problem. And I think it's mm. really interesting that most war films they come across as these like loss of innocence tales and. All Quiet on the Western Front really does that, I think, better than any other story. It's like, you've, I've come to war, treat me well. And you go, hang on a minute, you're a soldier. Go and lie in the mud for two weeks without any food and one bullet and see how long you survive. And you're like, hang on, this is what I signed up for. Tough, you've signed up. Get yeah. out there kind of thing. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. It's, it's a horror story. In that yeah, well, that's... Absolutely. And, and there's a few scenes that really identify that, is that... Um, so they're starving, they're getting bombed, and then suddenly, uh, what's the collective term for a lot of rats? Um, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's not a flock, it's not a herd, but there's a lot of rats, right, <laughs> that just suddenly evade their bunker. And, it's, and, it's, and, and everyone switches to, right, let's annihilate these rats. Yeah. They're united against the common foe. Mm-hmm. And so it was that was lovely to see because obviously they can't do anything while these you know <laughs> while they're getting bombed the hell out of but we could exterminate rats and so they all band together and they get the rats so damn clever mm. and then later on uh, even though they're all probably contracting a trench foot they're all there with these sticks with you know jugs on them hoying water out of the trenches. Mm. And it's like again, who's your common enemy? It's the water in the trench. Yeah. So let's do that. Like who? Who? It's so damn. Who clever. put that in a movie before this? It was like it was bullets. Shoot! Yeah. Shoot! Shoot! It's all cool. You're like, well, I've got a gun. I've got a gun. I'm being shot at. Yeah. Rory, get down. But here they're fighting nature. They're fighting rats. They're fighting water. They're fighting trench foot. They're fighting the the, yeah. the heavens. And what I really love about this film is that I watched it, you know, a couple of nights ago, and I was. So so taken with the fact that I did not know it 
was a movie at points. Mm. The effects on this film are just insane for 1930s. Almost, as you say, almost 100 years old, and you never for one moment say, yeah. this looks like a movie set, or they're running along a movie set, or, you know, this bomb... Look like a documentary. Running up the, oh, it looks like that footage that Peter Jackson turned into, you know, that, that war film he made. Look, well, yes. It, yeah. It, yeah. For never for one minute do you do you doubt that these people are in danger. Like, they're running along no man's land, mm. and a bomb will go off by his foot and throw him up into the air, and dirt raining down. It feels like it's suffocating them. That they're jumping into barbed wire and trying to climb over, and it's ripping at their clothes. There's no moment in this film oh. where you feel as if you're watching a movie. It's horrifying, but it's absolutely yeah. exhilarating to like you, you're watching it. Going, it feels like I'm in the war myself. My blood is pumping. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that actually because there was there was a scene. Um, it was actually it's not even a scene. It's a shot, and I was like, wow. You know that was that was incredible, and I happened to uh, I went on the trivia for the film, and it was something that had actually happened mm. in war, and they took it and put it in the film. And it's a guy is literally leaping to get away from an explosion, and he grabs hold of barbed wire. The explosion mm. happens, and all that's left is yeah. his arms. He's got yeah, that moment. And that actually. F- Oh my god, yeah, when it happens as well. I remember pausing it and spinning it back yeah. and saying, Told you have to watch my daughter. <laughs> Just watch this moment. And she was and she watched it and went, Oh it's like, yeah. literally went back. And it's real well, not real in the film, but it actually yeah. happened. And it's like, Oh my god. If you think like, um, you know, yeah, the, the start amazing. of saving Private Ryan is brutal. It's yeah. literally like watching that. It's incredible. Well, it's funny you mention that. After after I finished watching this last night, and then I had my diddins, but after that, I, because it because it just kept flashing in my head. I went back and rewatched uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Mel Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not so much the beginning of the film, but definitely the uh, the war scenes. I reckon Mel Gibson definitely had seen this movie because mm. there are a lot of similarities. Uh, to the to the fight scenes in in Hacksaw Ridge to to what there is in all all quiet on the Western Front. I agree. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, uh, especially with the the sort of the lighting and the and the the, the stark noise. I think, mm. um, yeah, very much uh, comparable to to this film. Mm. Something I think it's important to mention though about this film, mm. which uh, compared to say something like something we previously mentioned, as in the the um, uh, the Deer Hunter is there are some moments of levity in this film, mm. which I think there really needed to be, because otherwise it would have been very hard to get yeah. through. It's a long film. You can't sit there being slowly crushed for that long, can you? Yeah. No, no, definitely not. I suppose the uh, the, <laughs> the main scene in question... Is the three lads getting away from their <laughs> from their from their colleagues in the army and uh, meeting three lovely French girls? <laughs> How did I know this was going to involve girls? Go on. No, no. Here, look, come on. I mean, by this point, you're willing these guys to get their end away. <laughs> they need they need they need a little bit of happiness, don't they? By this point. Got it. Well, you're just not going to say anything about it. 
I'm, I'm very glad they had their moment of respite, let's just say that. Because this yeah. film does an extraordinarily good job of boiling you, not just these characters, but you, down to your primal elements, you know? It's like it strips yeah. you of everything you've got, and it puts you in a situation where you don't know whether you're going to survive, because you feel so intrinsically involved with everything that's happening on screen then when they get these yep. moments of respite, even, you know, the girls aside, there are moments where, you know, Stanislav, the, um, the, the gruff, you know, mentor to, yeah. the, to the guys, who's a fantastic mm-hmm. character. He's wonderful. He makes jokes at their expense and he you know, shows them the ropes and this kind of thing. And all of those things, you're like, oh, thank God, someone's here guiding us through. And then you have to remember that, A, you're watching a movie from almost 100 years ago, and B, this guy, you know, is not, your friend and <laughs> he's Louis's friend. Yeah. yeah. Um and what I really love yeah, um, what I really love as well those piercing moments of not just levity, which are, as you say, very much needed and very welcome when they come. Mm. You also get these yeah. hugely affecting moments of tragedy. Like, <laughs> the Stanislav's mm. um storyline, I mean I mean oh, wh- wh- yeah. when he meets his fate it's one of those moments, oh my God. And they don't do it with a big fanfare. He doesn't get a big speech to say goodbye. Mm-mm. and all this. He's just gone, you know? Yeah. And that's how it happens yep. in those situations. It's mm-hmm. not like you're you you, you you're carrying your friend on his shoulder and, 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 you, and he's shot and you put him down and there's this big moment about tell my mother I said blah, blah, blah. And give this to my, you know, love. It's yep. just gone. You don't get to say goodbye. You don't, yeah. and you're bereft. And that's, the key to these films you feel bereft mm. of the towns that have gone the people that have gone the you know the lifestyle that you used to love and the things you used to you know, look up to they're just gone and you don't get yeah. a moment to say goodbye to any of it and you don't get a moment to adjust to the new world nope um, and I, done <laughs> and i think for a film from yeah. 1930 that's two and a half hours long this is mm. a freak in terms of 1930s films yeah it's unflinchingly brilliant there, there's there's a wonderful moment at um, at the beginning um, when the when the lads the younger lads have joined up with uh, with Cat and uh, the the other sort of veterans, if you will, and one of the the young lads, the red, <laughs> I keep calling him the red shirt, but the, um, what was his name, Bane? Um, he the, the an explosion goes off and he wets himself. Yeah. And but but Cat says to him, he sort of says, "You're not." the first to do it and you're not going to be the last and even I've done it <laughs> and it was just sort of like that's that's a proper way of dealing mm-hmm. with it you know there's no mocking mm-hmm. you know it was yeah you're getting shot at so yeah you're allowed yeah. so don't worry it's urine that was, just get that rid was of it fantastic. if you need to <laughs> don't don't yeah you're not yeah, yeah it's not about yeah. it's not about posturing here you know be be no. embarrassing no. if you want but make sure you're killing we're, the guys we're, that were over the other side of the trench, yeah, it's crazy. We're all scared, yeah, we're all scared. so yeah, it's not a problem. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's also another scene which, again, it, it kind of goes back to a little bit of what you said before that maybe a scene is taking a little too long. But then, as you say, when you get to the end of the film, it all kind of makes sense. <laughs> and it's when our our main character of Paul, played by Lou Ayres, um, is in a bolt hole with a corpse. Mm. And he's there for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, granted, he's not dead the entire time, but he's he's trying to help him and keep him alive. Um, and that, I mean, you could easily take that scene out of the film and it wouldn't make any difference. But 
I'm so glad it was there because it's brutal, but it's also human. And <clears throat> it was very powerful because of that. Mm. And I, I, it, it gave me more respect to the film because they had that scene in. It was just one of those scenes where you just sort of go, all right, well, I, I don't really know why this is taking so long. And then you sort of go, oh, okay. Mm. I get it When now. you see it, you know, you know with the bird's eye view, yeah. the whole the whole film is mm. kind of perfect. And what I really love about it is that he starts off as a boy, only ages in mm. real-time terms, by about 18 yeah. months to two years, but mm-hmm. seems like an old man by the time the film is finished. And even preaches to boys roughly his own age near the end of the film and says, you know, for God's sake, yes. don't believe anything they're telling you. And then, because he's so conditioned, has to go back to the front line. Um, I think Luez is extraordinary in this film. I don't. I think there are moments where Agreed. there are moments when you do think, oh, that's a bit of an acting choice. But if you look at his his performance as a whole. He goes from young, idealistic boy to beaten down, savage, desecrated old man in the in you know in the running yep. time, and it's a bloody brilliant performance. And um, yeah. it's it, it's that line I've just pulled it up. He says uh, when he's talking to the to the lads, he says, "Oh, you still think it's beautiful to die for your country? Mm. The first bombardment taught me taught us better. When it comes to dying for country, it's better not to die at mm. all." Yeah, I mean, it says damn. everything, doesn't it? Come at the right moment, Palmer. Just at the right moment. And as if to prove all I have said, here is one of the first to go. A lad who sat before me on these very benches, who gave up all to serve in the first year of the war. One of the iron youth who have made Germany invincible in the field. Look at him, sturdy and bronzed and clear-eyed, the kind of soldier every one of you should envy. Oh, lad. You must speak to them. You must tell them what it means to serve your fatherland. No, no, I can't tell them anything. You must, Paul. Just a word. Just tell them how much they're needed out there. Tell them why you went, what it meant to you. I can't say anything. If you remember some deed of heroism, some touch of nobility, tell about it. I can't tell you anything you don't know. We live in the trenches out there. We fight. We try not to be killed. Sometimes we are. That's all. No. No, Paul. I've been there. I know what it's like. But that's not what one dwells on, Paul. I heard you in here reciting that same old stuff, making more iron men, more young heroes. You still think it's beautiful and sweet to die for your country, don't you? Well, we used to think you knew. But the first bombardment taught us better. It's dirty and painful to die for your country. When it comes to dying for your country, it's better not to die at all. Brilliant, brilliant film. It's a brilliant, brilliant story. That I would say the 79 version as well with Richard Thomas is equally as good. I have yet to see the new one. I haven't seen it. I, I'll have to check the it Richard out. The Richard Thomas one is fantastic. Um, I would say it's a bit more overly produced than this one. This one is really raw, which I think is a a real selling point for it. It's hard to recommend it. What do you think? Do you think it's hard to recommend this film? Because it's two and a half hours of relentlessly 
declining humanity all the way through. Mm. But as a as a as a piece of art, it's it's mm. kind of brilliant. You know, I mean, you never feel like you're not in a war. You never feel like you're in a movie. You do feel like you're watching people die and be desecrated by the grimness yeah. of life. And when you get to the end, there's this moment of beauty that kind of, I don't know, it never leaves you, I don't think. I think you'll be thinking about mm. that butterfly in his hand for years to come. I don't think it ever really leaves you. So in that way, yeah. it's kind of it was a piece of art. It's kind of fantastic. Let me, let me put it this way in answer, in answer to your question. Uh, a few days ago, was it last week? Either or, it doesn't really matter. Um, I was asked by a mutual friend of ours, uh, who shall remain anonymous. They said, are you doing all the best lines soon? And I said, yes, I am. This was before I tweeted out about the, about mm. the episode. I said, yes, I am. I said, uh, when I suggested a war film to Adam, though, I didn't realise the one he picked was two and a half hours long. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was sort of like, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn my lesson for next time. <laughs> um, but... Um, because <laughs> you know we 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 stick with golden age cinema uh, here on all the best lines, and you know they're normally between you know if we're lucky an sixty hour, and an ninety hour and minutes. minutes yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then suddenly it was sort of like you know it's like an hour and a half long, and it was all right. So two and a half hours long. So um, so it's like oh, but uh, would I recommend it? Yes, I would. Mm. Um, I think this is a valuable. I'm going to use the word again. Tool. For people to understand the harsh realities, especially, well, not only of war, but of of humanity as well. Mm. Um, and not to mention, you know, I think we have to, we have to, you know, nail, put the nail on the head and say, this annoyed Hitler, <laughs> so he banned it. So anything that annoyed that little <laughs> then I think, uh, I think is good in my book. So, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how can you not recommend this film? I mean, there are, as we said before, there are some war films that they just don't, they just, they're just not worth your time. But there are some that are vastly worth your time. And this is definitely one of them. Um, it's, it's, it's an exceptional piece of work. Mm. And I'm so glad I've seen it now. Um, and as you say, I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be. <laughs> I'm not going to be in a rush to watch it again. <laughs> but there are certain scenes in it that won't leave my memory for a very long mm. time. Would you like to watch this in the cinema? Um, proper, like you know, full on restoration, proper surround sound. Would you do that? I think. I think it would be okay to do that now because I'm very familiar with mm. what's going to happen. I remember the first time I watched this film, just being for want of a better term, completely shell-shocked by it. And I think that's the effect yeah. you come out the end of it with. Unless you're, you know, if I'm familiar with the story, it's like, you know, something like Irreversible or, or you know, Issue the Killer <laughs> or something like that. You know what's going to happen, oh, wow. and it's fine. Okay. You can go back in there and watch yeah. the better frame rates and things like that. But All Quiet on the Western Front <laughs> is a very, it's a very grim film, but it's very worthy. Mm. You know, most of these films that come along, like Schindler's List, they're very hard to watch, but mm -hmm. they make you feel yep. things that it plums into the depths of yourself that you didn't realise were there. And um, it's great mm. to sometimes pull those things out and look at them. Um, yes. But I wouldn't say, you know, Friday I night, couple of beers, you've got an hour and a half, <laughs> all quiet in the Western Front. It's not going to send you to bed with good dreams. 
but it's definitely a well, piece of art. Well, to be fair, you'd have to watch it on double speed if you only had an hour and a half. You'd have to... yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be weird. It's, it's not the kind of thing you watch and be uplifted by. Let's be honest. But um, that said, if you have any kind of opinions on war, it will either confirm yes. or maybe change them for you, which is what mm. all good art should do. That's how I feel about this. I. I don't want to get too political about it, but when you read nowadays about so many, well, I'm saying in the US mainly, but so many books being banned, and um, and then of course they're going back and they're and they're correcting, uh, it's been in the news all week about correcting Roald Dahl's stories. Uh, obviously, that's a you know a political uh, minefield in itself, but. Why try and correct something that is actually valuable? Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at that list of banned books, and the Diary of Anne Frank is on there, and To Kill a Mockingbird is on there. And I've read both of those, mm. and I don't understand why they're being, forgive the term because I don't like it, but being cancelled. Um, so give it give it time. And someone, like a certain Mr. A. Hitler, will come along and say that all quiet on the Western Front should not be seen by anyone. And and it's like, well, no, hang on. It was, it was there. It's made. Mm. You know, it's there for us. You have the choice of not wanting to watch it, but yet you then turn around and say, well, no one should watch it. And it was like it's like the people trying to get Blazing Saddles uh, cancelled, and it's like, but the stupid people in the film who lose are the racist people. That's that's good. That's a positive thing, you know. And it's it, so I I can really see something coming to bite this film soon, mm. and I really hope it doesn't. I really hope it doesn't. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 the problem is. That um, uh, without getting into anything political, that I don't think I don't think yeah. All Quiet on the Western Front or To Kill a Mockingbird, those films, I don't think they do explicitly say you should feel this way. All they do is present a situation, and if that situation makes you feel uncomfortable, you tend to say, "I don't want to look at it." Therefore, I don't want these people to look at it either. Which is where the problem comes with censorship, because you know, yeah. I think art should be something that is seen by all, and you should make your own minds up about it. Yes. If you've seen the film and it mm-hmm. makes you feel a certain way, and someone else has seen the film and made mm-hmm. them feel a different way, then surely. Mm-hmm. That art should be in the world because you know it's it, 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 it therefore undivisive in a way. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just presented a situation. If your story, your experience makes you feel one way, and someone else's makes you feel another way, then how is that not yeah. valid? You know, it's not saying I, you should feel I, this way. It's saying here's a situation. How do you feel about it? And when you ask someone a question, I completely agree. and they answer it in their own personal way then there's no way that, you know, that art should be in the world. Mate, how how does anyone say to anyone else about the diary of Anne Frank Mm. of saying, you are not allowed to read this? Mm. that, That alone blows my mind. 
It's about a girl. It's a, okay. She's Jewish. Who gives a f***? It doesn't matter. But she is hiding from people who want to kill her. And they're turning around saying, right, we shouldn't read that now. How? How? How does that work? I want someone to explain it to me who isn't a raving nutbag. But they just can't do it. This this world is going insane. And, and I don't get it. And this is why I mentioned this the other night, actually. This is one of the reasons I am so delighted that podcast is unregulated. Hmm. Because <laughs> well, for now, yeah, this is the problem. Um, the, oh, no, 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 no. It's always going to be. It's hopefully, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, with freedom of speech it's too comes it's freedom too of, you know, expression. And I, I hope that, uh, because <laughs> this is the issue, someone says something that's horrible, but... You know, mm-hmm. it depends where you sit on the spectrum or sure. your experience in life. But I think everything should be out there. And I think that people should make their Absolutely. own decisions and they should be free to not listen to that voice, but listen to this voice if they so choose, um, which has always been the way of the world. And I think it's taken us, what, 30 years of the Internet to say that, you know, mm-hmm. this is how the world works now. Do we have to do this again? This is another couple of centuries work yeah. we have to do. Maybe it is. Who knows? Yeah. Just be nice. Yeah. I think. I think. I, just be nice, respectful, that's and um, the, you know, yeah. respect other people's views. That's what I don't like. I don't like yeah. the the fact that we can't respect other people at the moment. That's the problem with the world. I I completely agree with you, and I I always go back to a quote from someone who um, I won't I won't name them because uh, I don't know them, uh, but I listen to their podcast and I follow them on Twitter, and they're very clever person um but they i always go back to their their point which i remember them saying a couple of years ago which is we weren't ready for the internet Mm. we weren't ready for social media because we we have treated it badly and we continue to treat it badly Mm. you know if we'd if if the internet if the internet had joined us and went a lot slower you know, it just instead of going wham, we've suddenly got four G. Mm. You know, or we've suddenly got ultra high speed broadband. That it was too quick. Yeah. We needed a slow build up into it, so, and we didn't. We went into it too quick, mm-hmm. and then everyone suddenly had an opinion, and most of those opinions are awful. You say you, <laughs> you say too quick. This you is know? the thing. Um, you know, in in four or five generations' time, they're going to look back on our time and say we were the petri dish where suddenly, yeah. um, every thought, every emotion, every prolification, everything you wanted to know was out there, and all we needed to do was yeah. sort out a system by where we filter that information to our own sensibilities. It's an incredibly stupid, you know, long-winded way of saying that we are currently the human beta testing period for the internet. And eventually it will be sorted we out. Really we will sort it out and we will evolve mm. as a species. I, I, I would just okay. like to, to say one thing, though, before you do, which is that um, I'm surely the, the greatest thing to come out of the internet is you bugging your kids by saying the TikTok. <laughs> you TikToking are your you, friends. Are you, are, you, are you on the TikTok? <laughs> You're TikToking your friends? I, I think we can all agree that is the Stop greatest thing. Stop TikToking your friends, games. please. I'm trying to drive a car here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Smokey, to get back Love to the it. point. Yes, question. Um, let's get yes. some ratings on this film because what do you think of this film and what rating would you give it? It's a masterpiece. 
It's an absolute masterpiece. I was very dismayed to learn that this isn't in the IMDb Top 250 of all time. Is it not? Um, wow. No, it is not. It's uh, it's It's got um, a rating above 8, which normally guarantees you to be in the IMDb Top 250, but it just misses out, sadly. Mm. Um, it, it It's an incredible film. It's a gut punch of a film. Uh, the acting is wonderful. As I said, the, the fact the sound design or sound coordinator, whatever you want to call it, didn't win an Oscar for this is is a crime. Um, because um, I was, as I said, watching this wearing headphones and and it it, it was incredible. Um, what a, a spectacle. I am curious to watch the other two versions. I will do that. But for this one, it's beautiful and brutal in equal measure. Um, before we started recording, um, I had rated this a nine. And then we got talking, and I'm thinking, I'm doing a you. I'm sort of going, <laughs> what am I taking a point away for? I don't quite know what I'm taking a point away for. It's a masterpiece. It's a 10. Wow! A ten. What, what a film. <laughs> still not my favourite uh, war film. It's, that still belongs to Full Metal Jacket, but um, but this is damn close. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a spectacle, and it needs to be seen. It, it, again, it needs to be used as an educational tool. I think for for it, 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 as we said, it's nearly a hundred years old, and it needs to be continued to be viewed. And I think the recent success of the the remake can only help it, because mm. um, there's going to be a lot more people who are going to go back and and see what the comparison is. So that can only help. Um, but yeah, a, an absolute masterpiece. It's it's incredible. Uh, it's a 10 from me. Um, how about you, my friend? Uh, it's a 1 out of 10. Thanks. What are we doing next time? <laughs> <laughs> Utter bollocks. <laughs> no, it's a... <laughs> Sorry. I can resist. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's very rare that you get a, a story that lands so well with the, you know, from 100 years ago that still lands today. And I think that doesn't feel patronising and doesn't feel like it's preaching down to you at all. But it still feels yeah. resonant and applicable to the human condition, which is unfortunately ongoing. We have the war in Ukraine, we have you know, conflicts all over the globe, and you have to keep saying to yeah. yourself, stop thinking this is a glamorous pursuit. You're rushing to death, and for, for someone to have captured that so perfectly 100 years ago, mm -hmm. is it's hard to call it a gift to humanity. It's more like, um, I'm so glad it's there and has been there throughout my lifetime before I was born and will be there after I'm dead. So um, sure. you can't mark it down in any way. It's a total 10 for me. It's it's a brutal, unflinching, emotionally affecting, fascinating, incredibly involving movie that works as not just yeah. a piece of entertainment, but also uh, it's like stepping through a window into a trench and you feel as brutalised and as desecrated by the effects of war as yeah. Luez does who gives a fascinating performance I really love him in this film and he is Dr. Kildare for he's me wonderful. he's always been like Dr. Kildare the doorway to hell that kind mm. of guy who, who's always seemed a bit like you know, a little bit childish and a little bit I love him in films but he feels very fake but in this he is brilliant 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 and I'm so glad you liked it and um, fantastic movie uh, I wouldn't say watch it and enjoy it but make sure you watch it at least once in your lifetime because it will do things to you that you never thought possible. It's it's yeah. I mean, it's never going to be an easy view, no. um, but it 
yeah, it needs to be seen. There, there's a little uh, something just hit me in the head that that um, you ever see the the I think it was a TV movie called uh, about the Battle of Culloden. No. And uh, so, you know, there was uh, the battle in the 1700s and um, and they filmed it like a kind of, you know, there was, you know, it's the 1700s, but there's a reporter there and he's watching these people fighting each other and it's very clever. And uh, and I think that must have been influenced by this as well. It was, a uh, yeah, uh, I highly recommend you watch that. Again, not an easy watch, but uh, very interesting. So hang on a minute. The, um, um, this and Out of the Past, I think, are our only two 20s out of 20. Am I right? I'm going to have to... I'm just going to have to... Uh... I mean, it's a, cr- it's a <laughs> criminal shame that Devil Doll won the 20 out of 20. Because <laughs> I'm that's one of them. I, I could only give that. Oh, you, 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 <laughs> stop it. Did we, give, did we give Kind Hearts and Coronets? Did we give that? I can't remember now. You pro- oh, my memory's you, you gone. You probably gave that a nine. You're, you're very mean. I'm sparing with. I'm not mean. I'm sparing with my tens. Uh, All right. There's a big difference. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sure, hun. Uh huh. Oh, really? But uh-huh. I'm. <laughs> but uh, shut up, you tat. But I am very. I am delighted that you brought this to the table because uh, what a fantastic movie. It's a cracker. Um. But yeah. But before we before we leave, mm-hmm. um, we have to do the usual thing. Of uh, presenting something for uh, Adam to pick next. Now I'm going to give you three choices. Ooh, go on. <laughs> There's a blip. There's a blip, big <laughs> shiny blip, and, and like it's slowly it. moving south. <laughs> go on. So three choices. Uh-huh. So because I've offered it to you uh, for the last two episodes, I'm going to do it again. So Sherlock Holmes. Option one, Sherlock Holmes. Option two is something like a comedy because we need to come out of war so a comedy or number three and this is the first time we've done this because we talked about it before number three is dealer's choice it's choice for mr oh. adam roach of something you may have watched recently that you want other people to know more so that's pretty easy for me because um there's a film that we've okay. both watched recently which doesn't require any extra homework that i know you like and is one of my favorite films anyway so let's watch The Suspect, Ella Raines and Charles <gasps> Lawton, 1941. Let's do that. Oh, we're going story. back to yeah, Charles yeah. Lawton. Mm, absolutely. Why not? Wow. Okay. I love that yeah, film. That's a great film. Mm. I, I actually, I copped some uh, some flack uh, off a listener of ours uh, uh, after their Big Clock episode was released. Because <laughs> I don't know if you remember, before we went into the... Uh, the breakdown of the film, I said, oh, you you just wait until you hear my Charles Lawton impression. And then I never did it. <laughs> <laughs> just keep not doing it. <laughs> it's coming. Actually, it's coming on your the laugh episode. sounds like a Charles Lawton laugh. Do it again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, can't do it. I can't do it on, I can't do it on a cue. Perfect. So we're doing the suspect. Yeah, let's do though. the suspect. That sounds wrong, yeah. but you know what That's I mean. a cracking movie. I can't wait to watch that again. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I, I love that movie, so I'm uh, more than happy to watch mm. it again. And more people need to know about that. They film. do, yeah. It's the whole point of this podcast. So let's get them on the suspect. And All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a masterpiece. Go and watch it. You need to watch it. If you've seen the Netflix one, I would say probably not as desperate. But if you haven't seen a version of All Quiet on the Western Front, go and watch the 1930 version. And then, by all means, go and see the you know the new version to see how it measures up. I will be doing the mm. same thing, but you'll be absolutely shocked at how brutal, how uncompromising, how 
emotionally affecting the 1930 version is it's absolutely fantastic yeah absolutely wonderful yes um i i did uh yeah i had a lump in my throat when that uh that final scene happened yeah it was it was shocking but uh thank you for bringing it to me i'm so glad i've seen it so thank you for watching yeah. it it's my absolute pleasure yeah. yeah so i guess that's that's the end isn't there it is. my word don't go that's uh, uh nearly two hours has just flown Smokey, by you're you're my butterfly <laughs> don't go oh my word go oh i don't know what that is but yeah it's <laughs> my hand or it's a big flesh spider. <laughs> big flesh spider. <laughs> and on Big Flesh Spider, we will end. <laughs> what a treat for everyone. Always a good way to end. Mm. Yeah. So, here, look, you lot out there, send us a bloody email. How dare you? Yeah. What's wrong with you? So, all the best lines at gmail.com. Get it done. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, and we'll see, you, we'll see you next time for uh, The Suspect. And very much looking forward to that. All the best. Live. <laughs> So when he announced yeah. Shinner's List, every kid in the world was like, oh my God, dinosaurs are the greatest. You know, it, and it was, it was such uh, a... Uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, sorry, Jurassic Park. <laughs> there were dinosaurs in Shinner's List. Oh, I'm going to so edit that bit. <laughs> no, keep it in, keep it in. 